Super Bowl. By the way, speaking of cups, this isn't a Stanley Cup. This isn't the NHL, but this is a really nice Yeti. Thank you so much. Flow below. They got their logo right on the front. They threw the what the truck on this side. I don't know if you can see that, but nice little, uh, I don't know what it's like, 32 ounces. Sick mug. Thank you so much, Flow Below. Appreciate this one. We need to talk soon. Thank you. By the way, mention the Super Bowl. It's coming up. Check out this article we have on FreightWaves.com. Noe Mahoney did an amazing breakdown of some of the logistics that are driving the Super Bowl. And did you know that the Super Bowl accounts for 20% of annual U.S. avocado sales? That's right. Noe Mahoney's article, like I said, on FreightWaves.com, it has in there, it's talking about the latest consumer spending data from the National Retail Federation. It says this year, the U.S. will spend a record $17.3 billion on the Super Bowl. That's up 5% from last year, $86 per person. I'm not sure how much y'all are spending out there. It's going to be over 12 billion buffalo wings, 50 million cases of beer, 28 million pounds of chips, and 50 more, 54 million avocados will be consumed on Super Bowl Sunday, which equals more than 30,000 truckloads, according to third-party logistics provider Compass Logistics. That big winner? Obviously avocados, like I mentioned. Mesco supplies 81% of the avocados eaten in the U.S. In 2023, the total value of uh, U.S. imports of avocados from Mexico was about $2.5 billion. Last year, over 6,000 truckloads of avocados were brought into the state. Now, when you're thinking about beer, you know, as we learned last year, Modelo took the top spot. They're number one, so they're going to be selling a lot of that. And if you're drinking Modelo, could uh, it could be taking the uh, Lombardi of Libations Trophy in mid-2023. They took over that title from, um, from Bud Light. And Nielsen IQ data reported by the Associated Press seems to think they're going to have a really big year. You know, one of the reasons I bring up the Super Bowl is later on on this show, Carl's Jr. doing a massive rollout, a free burger promo during the Super Bowl. We have their logistics director on to tell how they're going to deliver over 80,000 burgers to their uh, customers. I think they're the Western bacon double cheeseburger. John Brewer will tell us all about that. Here's a uh, here's a video that a viewer sent me, though. Check this out right here. It's a CSX train versus a semi truck. This happened in Versailles, Ohio. WTT, WDTN reports Versailles crews responded to a crash Wednesday morning involving a oh, train no. and a semi truck. Oh, no. Oh, no. You can hear it right now. It's coming. And you look there, the guard, the, the gate went between the truck and the trailer. And this driver, he's kind of lollygagging around as the train comes in. I guess he didn't want to break the arm and the barrier and thought maybe it would be better for the train to hit the truck. The video there was taken by Isaiah David Everett Vanderhorst. He was standing in a nearby parkway. And then Stephen Rue sent me over this one. He said, here is the aftermath recorded by our broker in Versailles, in Versailles, Ohio. This is half a block from our front door. Now, fortunately, no injuries to report in this one. Just a lot of damage and a lot of debris to that truck. But fortunately, the driver was fine. Everybody was on the train was fine. And the train itself was fine. Now, we mentioned all these avocados coming from Mexico, all this all this Modelo coming from Mexico. Now, all your suppliers are going to have that in stock. But if you were trying to move freight across the Mexican border, check this out right here. Freight Caviar reported no one's reporting on it in the U.S., but apparently no freight is moving into Mexico from the U.S. for the last 48 hours because their custom systems for inputting entries has been down for nearly two days. Now, Matt Silver confirms this. He said confirmed imports and exports have been at a near stop for the last Last two days because the custom system in Mexico is down and customs brokers are not able to generate DODAs. Uh, loads that have paperwork prepared are also extremely delayed due to incredibly long lines that are being jammed up by the other delayed shipments. And he goes on to say, he goes, quick follow-up. Customs was down for about 48 hours, uh, but it came back online yesterday afternoon. The delays were apparently glitches that shut the whole system down. Nothing could be filed, and customs brokers were attempting to do it manually, which caused even more delays. Thankfully, things are quickly getting back to normal, but it could take a week or longer for things to catch up and be at fully normal levels again because of this back and this delay that it just caused. He said, uh, there is a call for a serious need for better technology in Mexico. And someone commented on here, Jay Rumi said, my client tried to do air freight as another option, and that was also 
rejected. So a little trouble coming through Mexico. We feel you. We hear you. It's out there. Now, on today's episode of What the Truck, it's number 680. I'm joined by CKE Restaurants' John Brewer. He's going to talk all about that logistics promotion. I mentioned the logistics behind that Carl's Jr. promotion, that free burger giveaway. We're going to hear all about it. Mother Trucker News! Alex Mai is going to be here. He's built an empire on social media. He's got one of the biggest trucking channels, if not the biggest, on YouTube. He's going to tell us what he's learned on building the channel. Plus, he was just out at some events. I'm going to ask him about what truckers are learning from meeting with logistics uh, uh, service providers, and what he thinks of some of the autonomous offerings he's seen out there. Is he scared of them, or does he think they're a long ways off? We'll find out. Echo Global Logistics' Mike Mobley is here. He's talking about order optimization and how it reduces shipping costs. And then we got Northland Trucking Risk Control's Anthony Slamar. He shares how insurance views advanced driver assistance systems. So let's tip the band, and we'll get over to Anthony. I want to take a second to put these guys in your radar, Dynamic Logistics, because i got to say, they're doing logistics the right way. Their TMS software is saving shippers a significant amount of time and money. Check them out at dynamiclogistics.com. That's logistics with an X. All right. Anthony Slamar, he's risk control transportation specialist for Northland Trucking Risk Control. A little bit of a mouthful, but it's awesome to meet you, sir. How are you doing today? Hey, real good. Thank you for having me. Where, where are you coming in from? Where are you, uh, where are you dialing in? What part of the world are you at today? Yeah, so I'm out of the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. Um, I, uh, like you said, I work for Northland Insurance. I'm a transportation specialist. Uh, prior to this role, I was a compliance officer for Federal OSHA for 13 years. Did a lot of accident investigations and inspections, um, both, uh, truck, uh, both construction and general industry, um, including a lot of uh, transportation companies as well. I always loved trucking, uh, always had an interest in it, and uh, that led me to getting a Class A CDL uh, back in the day, which uh, really helps my current role. Oh, interesting. Did you used to, did you used to drive a truck? Uh, just, I did just a little bit of driving, uh, not as much as I would want to, but still that experience really, uh, really gave me a good foundation and uh, really helps me in my current role here at Northland. Well, interesting. Well, someone who's had a CDL and someone who's in the position as a risk controller, what are your thoughts on ADAS system? Tell us how they work. Yeah, so ADAS stands for Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. It's essentially a package of safety features that uh, help that driver uh, monitor their surroundings and kind of take action if the driver uh, doesn't react to a potential crash, right? Um, It operates on sensors. Uh, There's going to be some alarms within the vehicle or alerts, I should say, and uh, to help that driver uh, be notified if there is a possible crash um, that could that could occur. Um, if that driver doesn't take action, um, the vehicle could take action itself, right? Um, some of the main features of these systems are going to be pre-collision assist, uh, um, lane keeping assist, blind spot monitoring, um, all that type of thing. Some of the more advanced features too might even have driver monitoring systems, which are kind of looking to see if the driver might be fatigued or not. Very interesting. So it sounds like these can be pretty beneficial to um, truck drivers. What are, what are some of the main benefits, though, that the driver themselves are getting out of this? Yeah, so one thing we have to understand is that accidents involving trucks, they can be kind of costly, right, um, compared to a smaller passenger vehicle. And that's what one thing we really hope to see is a reduction in, in, in accidents with these things, which is also ultimately going to be um, less, of, less of a financial burden, right, for the industry. Um, that, so that, that's one thing to keep in mind with these things. Um, one thing when we look at is we have to understand that these systems, um, keep in mind, they're still evolving, they're still emerging, um, and, and there's going to be de- new developments in these as, as we go on. So that's one thing to keep in mind. They're still evolving and still emerging, but beca- they're becoming standard on a lot more trucks. Was there some evidence that put these in more vehicles? And how do we get drivers to understand them and train them on them and not be afraid of them and understand what they're trying to do and, and make them work for them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so when you look at some of the statistics, um, roughly 30% of accidents are going to be rear-end collisions. Another 30% are going to be lane change or merging accidents. And that's one thing that we hope to see. Um, that's one thing that these systems are really trying to address with that, right? We want to see all, ultimately a reduction in those in those type of accidents. Um, these things represent a really good training opportunity for companies, right? At the end of the day, we still have to understand that the most important safety feature in a vehicle in these trucks is the driver, right? Um, ADAS does not replace good, safe driving techniques. Um, So when we talk about training, one thing that we want to look at is um, 
what do these systems do for the driver? What do the different alerts and sensors mean, right? And also, what are the limitations of these systems? Keep in mind, these are not 100% accurate. Um, that's one thing I've heard from talking to a lot of companies about this, and that's one thing that we really want to see is, is, a, is, is more accuracy within these systems. So that represents a really good opportunity for trucking companies to take their drivers, um, tell them, hey, this does not replace good safe driving techniques. Um, having a really good distracted driving policy is crucial. Um, good fleet safety programs, all of which are things we really love helping our customers develop um, and build at Northland Insurance. Um, so these are really the, the type of things that we want to be looking at. You know, you mentioned something interesting there. What kind of insights, what are you hearing back from your customers about the tech? How is this proving its value to them? What, what kind of feedback are you getting on the systems? Yeah, so one thing that we hear constantly, or I should say on a regular basis, is that we would like to see more accuracy within these systems, okay? Um, some of the things that could be beneficial would be the blind spot monitoring, okay? So again, keep in mind the size of the vehicle with a large commercial vehicle uh, compared to a smaller passenger car that could be to their left or right. Um, that's one thing that we would, um, that's one thing that customers are are. are looking at it in a positive way. But ultimately what we're hearing is that they, they do wanna see more accuracy within these systems um, and get better in the future. Oh, interesting, and, 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 and how, do you, how do you guys take that and, and develop and make sure this serves them? Yeah, so one thing we do is, one thing that we could look at is, is okay, so what are we doing with the driver, right? Um, we still wanna make sure that the driver is not, um, the good safe driving techniques are still are still being performed within the company, right? Um, that's one thing that we always look at. Another thing is training the drivers on these systems. Um, some there could be some training needs with that associated um, with different types of systems, and that's that's one thing that we would really emphasize with them. Interesting. So, how, how do people learn more about this? Where can they get more information? Where can they connect with you and uh, and and get educated on this uh, brave new world of technology? Yeah, so uh, sure, we have our website, Northland Insurance. Um, also, another thing to look at is different uh, operators' manuals of these vehicles, right, that will describe the systems and how to use them to their fullest potential. Um, and then also, again, keep in mind with that training and, and the orientation of that driver, um, just ensuring that they're uh, using it to the fullest potential, that they're not disabling it, um, that type of thing. Very, very cool. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Everyone go check out Northland and go find out about these ADAS systems. We appreciate your time. You have an amazing weekend. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great being here. Take it easy. All right. Meanwhile, what's stopping you from trading your semi for one of these cargo bikes? Take a look at these things here. Super, super neat. Kevin A says, ELD, every day is leg day. El uh, Sikamuti says, ain't no way unless I'm allowed to be strapped. Bob says, because I would feel ridiculous doing that. Little Trucker Wally says, AB5 laws. Mariner says, pedaling uphill with 45,000 pounds behind me and downhill is a B. Uh, Richard Crane says, I have a 300-mile route daily. Pat Roach, <laughs> rates won't cover fuel or my hospital stay after doing that. And Anthony Heward says, next time a driver asks what my cheapest option is for a lease to purchase, this is what I'm going to offer. By the way, um, electric reports, if you're wondering why we don't really see many of these in the States, not just because we have crazy drivers in big trucks here, uh, it says, critically, Amazon UK's cargo-based e-bike operations rely on four-wheel cargo e-bikes. As you can see right there, they're four-wheelers, which are more stable than the three-wheeled e-trike bikes. Such four-wheeled e-cargo bikes, though, sometimes referred to as bike trucks or bike vans, have been illegal in New York City due to local ordinances that limit cargo e-bikes to three wheels and a maximum width of 36 inches pretty cool i could see uh i could see my next guest mr mother trucker driving one of those little cargo e-bikes i bet he'd like one of those things leg day every day for you mr sir it's alex my mother trucker news by the way i'm repping the shirt my man oh <laughs> hey man i appreciate you so much bro all i gotta say is you know uh, i i finally figured out linkedin Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm jumping on here and, you know, I appreciate you for having me on the show, brother. It, it means so much. It really does. 
Well, you know, you, you finally figured out LinkedIn. You've come a long way since Walgreens, man. You've got a crazy story. I don't think everybody knows this. And you had this great post. You mentioned LinkedIn and you were like, man, I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, right? I got a little bit of chip on my shoulder because I had this manager and they're like, you'll never be, you know, you'll never get past the counter here at Walgreens. And look at you now. You got almost 900,000 followers on social media. You got one of the biggest trucking channels on YouTube, Mother Trucker News. Where did this man come from? Hey, I'll tell you what, you know, um, uh, you know, my background, you know, uh, my ethnicity background, Vietnamese, right? I was born in Hayward, California myself. And uh, basically a situation that happened was my uncle came over here, you know, and he became a truck driver. I saw a little ad, like one of those you would see like on like a milk carton that said that, hey, they're hiring for North American van lines to move furniture. He had no clue what the heck it was. He jumped in, he dived in, and when he did that, he pretty much started our family route on, you know, uh, the trucking route. So uh, every summer since I was a kid, I went and moved furniture with him. And, you know, and, and I never thought much about it. I just wanted to spend time with him, you know. And from there, pretty much like everybody, we want to find ourselves. You know, he said, look, look, son, I love you, but I don't want you to become a truck driver and have to move furniture like me. Go get an education. So what did I do? I went to Sac State, got a degree, came out, and, yep, assistant manager of a Walgreens, making like $13 an hour, right? And he just he just saw so much more potential in me. So he, he said, you know what, why don't you jump on the road and let me teach you the other end. So I said, forget it. I, I, I was like, I'm going to quit my job. And that's at that moment when my boss at the time, he goes, you know, you're, 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 you're making a big mistake. And, you know, one day you might be able to be lead assistant manager and make 15 bucks an hour. And you're letting that go to be a truck driver, <laughs> you know? And so <laughs> we're here today, 10 years later, I was a mover for North American van lines myself, moving furniture on the road, six to seven months and took like three to four months off in the winter time. And I just made so many videos because of boredom, a little bit maybe because of depression. You know, I'm going to date myself here, but, you know, uh, you see all your friends on MySpace <laughs> at the time, and you're thinking to yourself, man, they're all partying, having a great time. And you're on the side of the road with the tire, steer tire that popped waiting for a truck to come fix it. And so, you know, I found my way into just saying, Maybe I should start, you know, it wasn't even called vlogging eight, nine years ago. I was just making videos, sharing my experience. I wasn't the first. I thought I was. There's, there it <laughs> is, blast that. from the past. Look at who's that young man. What, what year is this, my friend? Oh, man. Uh, that right there is probably looking back, man. Honestly, yeah, probably about seven, eight years ago. Yep. These were your, seven, first, eight years these ago. Were your first videos, right? Like what, what made you decide that, like, I'm going to document this job and was the goal to be like a news site or were you just like i don't even know what i'm doing dude i had no clue i would lie to you if i said i woke up one day with so much passion i didn't you know uh, i was lucky enough at the time my wife now but my girlfriend then right jenna that you see in the videos uh she was just like you know you got to do something you love talking to people so i found myself you know vlogging food doing this and nobody watched me forever right and then over the years people start bringing up real topics and saying, Alex, you know, it's great that you're vlogging food, but we have a problem with this or that or parking or we, you know, so I start interviewing these people. And then through that, I start finding passion and it just took me on this journey, man. And so, you know, I, I went to truck shows and I started filming truck shows and I was having fun. And that's where I met my, 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 my business partner, my friend, you know, shout out to you, Jay. And he owned a company called Big Rick T, selling shirts at all the truck shows. We were just friends. Didn't think anything of it. And then now, you know, we got one of the coolest shirts, I think. You know, and we're, you know, seamless plug here, but 250 locations uh, across all uh, travel centers and just people just love it on us. And I'm so appreciative. Wow. And so, you know, it's, it's just been a wild journey. Alex, let me ask you something like the, the, the YouTube algorithm can be can be tough, it can, it, but you've mastered it. You've counted. Did you have a video like what year did you really have a big inflection point with your video? I'll tell you what. It was really when I started really digging deep 
and start really making it more about the people and not about myself. So my advice to anybody is when you have, you know, a hundred thousand followers and you say you're about your community, but you're following nobody back, you're interacting with nobody back. I mean, people know this. I, I think the days and you know, you could tell me this, right? You know, the days of the, the the celebrity, that person you just put on a pedestal, those days are coming to an end, and, and the, the movie stars are getting a little nervous now. It's the people, the regular people like us that care about people, that have a community, and just want to share. So that's what the platform really is about. It's just about when I switched it and said, hey, let's make this about the truck drivers and not about myself, that's when I saw the connection, and that's when I saw a change, 100%. So much. And, and I think that the thing I didn't really understand at first when I became a podcaster was um, how much of not only just a social media marketer you have to be, but home, how much of a social media networker and communicator. The, the, the most time consuming thing for me, and I'm, I'm sure it's for you, is just interacting with your community. You know, it's replying to all those comments that people leave on the videos, all the uh, emails that you get, all the people sending you lead sources and making sure everyone is just uh, happy and gets a response or gets a like out of you or gets a comment out of you. It's a lot of work. That's that's the actual job. So if you want to get into this, realize you got to kind of be a man of the people. Is that not true? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you could t you you know this better than anybody else. If you're doing this for fame or for anything like that, you are barking up the wrong tree. If you really put in the time and hours it takes just to put in one of these, because, I mean, people don't know. This man that you guys are looking right here, he's producing the show. Yes, he has a team doing things, but man, you got to put everything together. You have to understand. You have to build the relationships, you know. No one ever passes you on. When you invite someone on your show, they always show up. And I always notice that. And so it's all these deep connections that you have to make. And so really, if you really think about it, we probably get paid five cents an hour, you know, for all the work that we put in. So this is not a money thing. If it's not bigger than you, then it'll never be anything amazing, right? Because everything that's amazing moves slow. I mean, we know this, right? If you don't live for the grind, you're not you're not going to make it, at least in, in our field for th for this type of celebrity. You made such a good point. I mean, we're in we're in trucking. Like, what are you what are you doing chasing clout? If you want to chase clout, there's probably bigger other industries you could go after than than just trucking a little bit more of a humble world. But you, you've humbled yourself a little bit. You've grown a bunch. You used to go to like mats and a lot of trucking shows. But I've been watching you operate. And in the past six months, you've been going out to the freight tech events. You've been meeting the uh, logistics service providers. You've been meeting the people who. Uh, make autonomous trucks. There's so much, and I bet you've seen your comments. A lot of your the truck drivers they hate the autonomous trucks. But like, like I always tell them on this show, it's like even if you don't like them, you got to know your enemy. So I got to go out there and find out what these things are. People are pouring money into them. This tech is coming one way or another, and maybe it is a big flop, maybe it isn't. But we got to know about that. What have you been learning since you've been going to some of these other events that look at maybe the other side of truck and maybe the more corporate and the financially backside? You know, and the Okay, so the reason why I started to go to these things now is I wanted to really see what the other side looked like, right? There's always two sides of a story, right? And so I get a lot of the community that says, look, we hate brokers. We hate freight brokers. That's not what we want. But then when I ask him, I go, what is your business model for your trucking business? We use 98% brokers. I go, wait a minute. So you're saying you hate somebody, but they're 98% of your business. Well, if that's the fact, then maybe there needs to be deeper connection and deeper understanding. So I can say this for sure. On both sides, there are bad actors. There are bad carriers. There are bad shippers. There are bad brokers. I mean, there's bad everyone all the way around, but there's got to be some good people. So I'm here on this side to maybe learn more about okay, is there actually good load boards? Is there actually good freight brokers? Is there actually good tech that can help truck drivers with their business, maybe involving TMSs? I mean, there's a lot of things that come into this. And so I got to jump on this side to get a better understanding so I could go back and go, hey, guys, look, you know, this and this and this is going on. And 
maybe you should talk to this guy because this guy feels the same way about you because I'm starting to learn. There's a lot of freight brokers out there that actually hate these guys double brokering and all that. So I think there's understanding on both sides and I'm here to learn the other side. And so I could go back and say, hey, this is what's going on. And these are the people we should be talking to. You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's easy to group everyone as an enemy and, and just point down on them. But I mean, the reality is in trucking, the owner operator and the broker relationship is very coupled. They're very reliant on one another. Um, maybe they don't always work together, but there is some mutualism there. And they are what keeps the industry afloat. One of your videos was interesting, though, and you answered one of those questions that I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, which is about autonomous vehicles. Do we have the clip here? You're over by you're talking about autonomous trucks in this. And then you go, you know what? Autonomous trucks 10, 20 years away. I'm not worried about them, but something that's a little bit more interesting are these autonomous yard dogs. What, what was your take on these? You know, it's, it's one of those things. My first take on it was if there was going to be something that's going to take any piece of an aspect of a truck driver's job, this would probably be the first piece just for the fact that it's interclosed. You know, if they have to charge it, if it's electric, they could do it right there. It's not running on a lot of battery, right? And so in the past, there's a lot of truck drivers, you know, they go to CDL school, they come out and they don't have experience and they become a yard jockey as their first job just to kind of learn how to maneuver. I'm saying when I look at that, that's something that you need to know that job in the next five to 10 years could go away. So you got to specialize more than just like they say, being a steering wheel holder. You got to be a boss. You got to wear different hats and you got to be able to know that, hey, I got to do more than just drive a truck. You know, your networking skills, you know, uh, I mean, that's why you and I, we champion social media so much. I mean, there's so many companies, including the big ones that don't even promote themselves and they don't know, right? So you got to be more than just a steering wheel holder and that job right there, potentially, in the next five, 10 years could be the first to go away. So you got to level up your game. That's all I got to say. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny making content because there's a lot of stress around it. Sometimes there'll be like, like, for example, and I'm sure you, you were just like me. You heard that Fox News report that 700,000 trucks were going to the border. And immediately you go, I look, I haven't even looked into this yet, but that just sounds absurd. Now I got to go look into yeah. it. And then the next, very next thing I got to do is cut a video and get it on the channel. What was your thought when you hear like a massive number like that? How do you approach a story like that? You know, it, it's one of those things. And let's be honest here, you know, um, the media, they want your attention. Mm. So if somebody that they deem as a professional throws out a number like 700,000, the first thing Fox News, NBC, ABC, I'm, I'm grouping everybody together. Yeah. The first thing they're going to do is that's going to be the title. <laughs> they're throwing <laughs> that on because they want you to click. Because remember, their business model is to get as many, many eyes as possible on there. Right. And so 100%. I knew it wasn't going to be real. I knew that it was going to be impossible. And so from that, I just know that it's, it's, it's this clickbait that people hate. Right. And so, you know, uh, we all kind of do it in our own way as, at times, and that's the social media game, but 100%, that's all Fox was doing on that. I know it a thousand percent. I mean, what were your thoughts on that dinner? I mean, it was obviously such a ridiculous number. And I'm sure you're like me. We follow, we've seen, we get so many reports of trucking protests. So many of them just flop out. There's so many that pop up on Facebook. You get all these flyers. There's all these different groups that are trying to do it. They, a lot of times they become very sort of politically motivated. And then like, there's always some sort of donation tied in. And I don't promote them because a lot of them seem like a big ripoff. But when you say there's going to be 700,000 trucks or it's a big number, we have to address it. At, at least just to tell you, it's not real. Um, and that right. number, yeah, it seemed ridiculous because you like, like me, I follow a lot of truck drivers, and if all of them aren't barking at me that we're going at on this, we're joining this thing, this is our movement, then I'm going to be pretty skeptical, and I'm going to have to, like, search to see what kind of fringe group is doing. And if it's a fringe group, it seems highly unlikely 700,000 people would be involved. You know, and, and that's why it's like I have a simple rule on my channel, and anyone can approach me and reach out and email me on this. So you want a story to be told on Mother Trucker News is easy. If 30 to 50 people email me in one day about something, I at least feel obligated to talk about it. You know what I mean? And so, you know, sometimes it's a pileup. Sometimes it's about safety. Sometimes it's about a new FMCSA rule, right? Uh, 
Sue Lawless, the uh, she, I, I don't think she's the new head yet, but she's just the pointing head, right, of the FMCSA right now. She wants all tow truck companies, right? And I use Freightways article on this too, is to actually have upfront costs before they tow a truck driver's truck. And I go, wait a minute. I think that one's actually a great one, right? And so I got like 20, 30 emails about it and links from Freight Waves. So I had to show it love. So that's kind of one of those type of things. When people kind of show something and they're interested in it, Mother Trucker News is really just a platform for truck drivers to have a voice. So if you're interested in something and a lot of y'all email me, I got to talk about it. It's not about what I want. It's about what the community wants. So that's kind of how I've always operated, you know? Now, now you're like a, a data and survey group, too. I saw you put out this poll here about the uh, best truck stop bathrooms and showers. You got over 14,000 people to vote in. Loves won this thing in a route. It was 74%. Pilot was 12%. Travel TA was 7%. And then you yeah, had the mom and pops were all the way down at 8%. I saw you even put a post. You're like, hey, Loves, you want the data on this? Or, or hey, travel centers, you want the data on what people had to say? Come at me. But what, yeah. kind, of, what kind of feedback were you getting on this? And do you agree with that poll? Is Loves the king? You know, I'll I'll say this as a disclaimer, right? Because I actually talk and uh, I've talked to the people uh, at Roadies. I've talked to the people at Ambest. All these people are amazing people, right? And they, they're advocating for the, the independent truck stops, and I do too. Independent truck stops, mom and pops, first of all, are a hit and miss. It is what it is. But, I mean, you cannot say the Iowa 80s of the world, right? And, and you can't say, like, the Little Americas. You know, um, there's so many, right? The smaller groups, the uh, the envos of the world, the sprint marts of the world. I'm, I'm working with a lot of these communities. They care, right? And so it's just one of those things, right? And I, I have a great friend. I'll shout her out, you know, uh, uh, Raina Shoemaker. She's a great advocate, and they're out in Nebraska. They care about, but not everybody. So that's why that number was probably low for the mom and pops. Yeah. I got to go on a road trip. I got to go on a road trip today. I got to drive down to uh, North Carolina. So um, I don't know. Judging by this poll, it looks like I should stop at a Loves. Maybe. How, what do you feel on Bucky's? Are you? Are you? Are you? Do you like Bucky's? Do you agree with their model, or do you hate them because they don't let drivers park there? Um, you know, uh, I'll I'll say this: um, truck drivers support travel stops. That's what. That's why I say support the people that support you. You know that that's the biggest one about that. That's why I would say about that. But hey. Loves is kicking out of the park. People are liking it. I think they're efficient. I think that's yeah. what it is, you know, um, and that's why these surveys are the way they are. But, yeah, I mean, get at me if you're a travel stop, man. I'm doing these surveys so truck drivers can have a better experience. That's all I want. I want you guys to treat truck drivers better, and you have the capability to. You know, I want that list to be all good, Dooner. You know what I mean? I want all of them 100%. We like stopping at all of them because they all care about truck drivers. That's the goal. Well, hey, Alex, I love it. I love your stuff. If you want the boots on the ground, news take, go subscribe to his site on YouTube. It's the Mother Trucker News. You want a Mother Trucker hat? You want a Mother Trucker shirt? You want all the other wares that he has to offer? You get, you take your ass to Big Rig Tees. You buy yourself one of those. And uh, I guess if you need some data surveys or social media, Alex has also put himself out there. Alex, how do they reach you? Hey, all you got to do is, uh, so this is a seamless plug. Thanks, brother. Uh, um, uh, just go on LinkedIn, man. And I'm doing something fun. Uh, social media, marketing, and branding. If, if you have a question, I'm here to help for free, man. Uh, I told myself one day when I make money, I'm going to help people. You know what I said, Dooner? I said, you know what? I'm never going to make that much money. Let me just go to helping people. And that's all I want. That's all. Hey, look, and I hope I don't screw up anyone else's business model, but I'm not trying to do anything. All I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to help people that want to give truck drivers a better experience, you know? So, I, hey, I appreciate you. You're such a great friend, dude. I, I just want to say, man, for people that are watching this and maybe seen me before, uh, real recognize real. This guy right here, Duner, is a real dude, and he wants people to win. And and it's just amazing to see people in position actually wanting others to win. So I want to just bring it back to you, bro, and just say I love you. And you are an incredible, amazing person. All the trucking companies, logistic companies, all that, if you're going to work with somebody, you know, you work with Dooner, he's going to take care of you. True professional. That's all I got to say. What do you got to say about that? 
I gotta say, I love you, man. Thank you so much. A little cowbell for you, a little cowbell for all the little mother truckers out there, all the big mother truckers out there, all the lady mother truckers, all the male mother truckers, whoever mother truckers out there, this one's for you. A little cowbell. Thank you so much for your time, man. We'll catch up again soon. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Take care. All right, I got to tip the band right here. Dynamic Logistics gives you total control of your entire shipping operations. Live location and status updates every 15 minutes and the ability to combine multiple orders into a single load, leading to a significant savings. Check them out at dynamiclogistics.com. That's logistics with an X. By the way, I want to shout out, go to elsewhere right here. I want to shout out GateGo for this. I mean, what brilliant marketing at an event. The Apple Vision Pro just dropped, so they went out, they spent what, like 7000 bucks getting two of them they have their guys adrian garcia <laughs> wearing them at the booth so everyone comes over and it's curiosity is there any better way to attract someone in your booth than something like that i don't know it sounds like an awesome investment to me uh adrian will be on here i think in a week maybe next friday monday i don't know i think he's on here next week we're gonna get his impressions on the apple vision pro we're gonna learn about Geico, and we're gonna find out how he thinks maybe this tech could apply logistics Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But right now, Mike Mobley, EVP of Managed Transportation, Echo Global Logistics, is here. Talk a little bit about order optimization. Mike, good to see you. See me. Sorry about the tech here. Couldn't get the video working, so uh, we got to do audio only here. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Where are you? Are you in Chicago? Where are you out of? Yeah, I'm in Glenview. So, yeah, uh, Chicago. Chicago area. Very, very good. Well, you probably don't have a rooting interest in the Super Bowl, so let's go to order optimization instead. Well, tell us- uh, well the, the, the Super Bowl, I mean, all I'm rooting for is the squares, right? Aren't we all? Well, yes. <laughs> as, long as, I, as long as my squares come in, then, uh, then I'm happy about that. Yeah, and you got to get some Bears squares. Fan, I, yeah, and then as a Bears fan, I got to say that uh, every time Mahomes wins, it hurts a little bit. Right? Yeah. I mean, Bears took a pass on Mahomes, and uh, that didn't work out very well. Yeah, the Tom Brady guys are uh, getting a little nervous too. They don't they don't want him to take the mantle, but he's got a long way to go and he's got a couple teams to long win way, with too. Long way. Long way to go. Long, long way. way to go. Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves here. But hey, let's talk about order optimization. How is what's Echo doing right now in the space? How is it helping people? So, so I, I think it's good to to start off with the baseline. So, uh, most of our clients, you know, most shippers have emphasized speed speed to order processing. So, in, in, for for sales orders. So when a client or when, when their customer places an order, uh, they've made commitments that if you place an order before two or three, we'll get it out the same day. So all day long, they're dropping pick notes in warehouses and picking those, those orders and making those into shipments. What that results in is sort of a one-to-one uh, order to shipments, right? Which isn't very transportation efficient. There's no, there's no uh, grouping of anything. Everything goes as a one-to-one. In order optimization, and what we're doing for our clients is we're asking them to, to back it up a day, maybe two days, and say, give me orders a day early and, and set expectations with your customers that you're going to ship it the next day. And then so we take those orders, we run it through our algorithms, um, we identify ways to combine LTLs into bigger LTLs, LTLs into truckloads, maybe an intermodal, um, but I, I identify a much more cost-effective way uh, for those same grouping of orders. Uh, one example, um, uh, a client of ours that uh, ships copper wire, um, they've got about five DCs uh, throughout the country shipping all over. Um, they send us uh, their orders for each of those DCs every day. We run this uh, load plan and we send that back to them. So the next day they execute their pick pack ship process against that load plan. Uh, it's driven down shipping costs. It's um, it's a actually reduced miles, so there's an environmental impact for it, and it's actually had a positive warehouse on on how much processing they have to do in their warehouse. Very cool. Is that is this having the impact on uh, inbound orders for your clients also? So yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, for those of our clients that are um, we're managing the inbound, so vendors shipping into their DCs, um, we've got a portal as part of this process that as they cut a PO to their vendor, that uh, uh, the vendor goes to the portal opens up that PO and is able to create shipments against it. If they have enough volume, uh, we'll run the same algorithms. We'll, we'll, we'll take all those um, orders that are going from that vendor to, to our clients, run them through the algorithms to identify uh, consolidation opt- uh, optimization opportunities. Uh, if there isn't a lot of volume, if it's more of a one-off uh, at a time, um, it'll, it'll identify the best mode and carrier uh, to use for that shipment. 
Very cool. Well, what do you like? What, this here's what everyone cares about: saving money. What are you seeing in terms of shipping cost reduction from order optimization? So the client I mentioned, uh, load plans are generating about 10% cost reduction. Um, so it, it'll vary by volume and how big the, the bigger tends to be better. Uh, I mean, the more volume tends to have better opportunities. Um, so, but we're seeing anywhere 10, 15% cost reduction. Not bad, not bad. Anything else people should know? How, how do they reach out to you? How do they start optimizing their orders? Um, and more information, echo.com. Um, you, you know, there's a, you can navigate through to find managed transportation. Talk more about it there. Um, I think I've got some case studies that, that, that describe other instances, um, but it's been a it's been a great thing. Hey, before I let you go, I, I know the Bears aren't in the Super Bowl this year, but what's your prediction? What's your analytical take on when the Bears will finally make it back to the Super Bowl? Oh man! Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> analytics analytics would say eighty five, two thousand five. <laughs> Right. So wait, wait, let's go with 20 years. So 2025. So that's not far away. We can wait. That's that's a couple years away. That's like, that's no time. Right. It's not bad. It's not bad. That's not, I, I like it. I love the optimism. Go get your shipments optimized. Go optimize the Bears. And in 2025, you'll win the Super Bowl and save some money. I love it, man. Thank there you, you so much. Thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Take care. Take care. Yeah. All right. Hey, drivers, keep your head on a swivel. Be safe out there. Take a look at this close call. This guy flipped over on hey, the side of the road. You need some help? I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Look at that. Man, you okay? Yeah. No problem? <laughs> uh, I need to call my family. Do you have a telephone? No. Yeah, well, awful looking accident Two twelve trucker said it happens every now and then. Homeboy definitely dozed off. I'm not sure. Maybe he did. I'm glad he's okay. Freight broker guy said, oh my God, a wreck. Let me get my phone out real quick. Yeah, I'm not sure. Imagine everyone running around with Apple Vision Pros. We're just going to be filming everything. Oh, we got a leak. We have a leaked ad from Carl's Jr. Roll the tape. Jr. crew members. Free Burger Day is February 12th at Carl's Jr. The flavor of our Western Bacon Cheeseburger is unmatched. So I'm not sure why we decided to give them away for free to every person in America, but here we are. If the massive crowds of patrons get unruly, don't panic. Simply find the industrial grade Carl's Jr. Burger Saver Fan. Now simply use the provided touchpad controls to quietly activate the fan. Oh! <laughs> nice job! If that doesn't work, simply turn up the fan's power to more fan and easily blow the customer safely out of the restaurant and down the street. Do not turn it to even more fan. That's too much fan <laughs> and is only an option due to an unfortunate manufacturing error at the fan plant. Follow these easy steps and have a great free burger day, February 12th. Free burger day, February 12th. Amazing. All right, let's bring the man up, John Brewer, Director of Distribution Logistics at CKE Restaurants, Inc. John, amazing ad. Have they, have they blown the fan at you yet? Have you gotten your, your clothes blown off a little bit? No, not yet. So... <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Not sure, yet. What, what is going down, man? Tell me what's going. You guys got a big promo going on. You're giving everyone in America a free burger. Yeah, I mean it's for our Carl's Jr. app, and you jump on the app and uh, sign up, and then take it to your local Carl's Jr. and they'll give you a free Western bacon cheeseburger while supplies last. John, you're, you're sitting at your. You're sitting at your desk. You, you get an email and you hear about this promo. You're the director of, of logistics. The first thing you got to think is, what are the logistics behind all this? How do I make sure everybody has their free burger? I think you're giving away more than 80,000 of these things. What, what does that mean for you? What does the supply chain of something like this look like? We've um, we got to bring the inventory into the restaurants sooner rather than later so that they have plenty. Uh, we did a forecast of, you know, about 750 burgers per restaurant across the entire system. 
So it comes out to almost 80,000. And then we have to make sure we get the, the patties, the onion rings, the barbecue sauce, the cheese, all the ingredients in there. So we've got those placed in, in the restaurants already. They've been there uh, ever since the beginning of this week. So we're in good shape uh, moving forward. So um, as soon as the customers arrive, we'll be able to give away those burgers and, and make some people smile. How many, how many restaurants are we talking about here? Uh, close to 1,100. Wow. That is, so, how, how, many, how many trucks do you need to service all those restaurants? We actually moved the equivalent of about 20 truckloads of product. So it's, you know, um, you know full truckloads of burgers, full truckloads of bunny rings, uh, full truckloads of barbecue sauce. Uh, so it's, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, but we can get a lot of those products on a truck because they don't, uh, they're, they're heavier than, they, they don't cube out. So we get more cases on them. Wow. What, what are the risks you have to consider during a uh, a big promo? I remember one time I worked at this place called Talbot's and um, they, they decided to give a free tube of lipstick away with uh, a blouse that they were doing. And from a compliance from a, I was a customs broker side. What that means is suddenly I got to do a whole bunch of different series of forms to make sure that this happens. What do, what do you got to look out for when a big promo like this comes down the pike? And it's and it's paired with the Super Bowl. Well, the good news is, is all these items are in the domestic U.S., so we don't have to do the customs deal. Yeah. So that helps. Uh, the other challenge is, you know, you obviously don't want to run out of burgers. So uh, just making sure we have all the product where it needs to be and how much. That's probably the two biggest challenges that we face on this. Uh, but we've we've been working on this for several weeks now, so we're pretty optimized. We're we're in, We're in good shape. Hey, we have a user comment. Big Diesel has a question. He said, why is it called Hardee's in the Midwest and Carl's Jr. west of the Rockies? Why, why the difference? And do you, do you do the logistics for both? I do the logistics for both. I do all the U.S. distribution uh, for both brands. Uh, basically, what it was is Carl's Jr. ultimately bought Hardee's a while back, several years ago. And uh, that's why we have two different brands. And it's interesting because over the t- over time, we've tried to combine the brands uh, to bring in synergies with uh, skew ordering and what and what have you. But they service different demographics. Uh, the, the Carl's Jr. side is more about the flavor and the taste. And the Hardy side is more about the the home cooking, the, the comfort food, the, the awesome breakfast, the biscuits that are the best out there in the country. Uh, so you got two different uh, groups of people, and we cater to both of them. That makes sense. I did not realize that, but it makes sense. There's 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 a brand difference. There's a the the customer themselves views it a little bit differently. So you gotta you gotta serve that and be aware of that and um, <clears throat> be cognizant of it. Ben Ben Shergi says, which is more, calls or emails per day from freight brokers? What's the average right now? You get a lot of people trying to hit you up for your freight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a term I like to use. It's called pitch slapping. I get yeah. pitch slapped a lot, and uh, so it's it's. I usually get a lot more emails than calls. Um, so it's 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 across the board. We're probably getting you know, I don't know, ten fifteen a day maybe. Interesting. What does it take for someone to get a shot with you? I mean, imagine, especially in food, right? I mean, talking about perishables here, you got to have really trusted partners. It's not always just about rate. It's making sure that 80,000 burgers are where they need to be on Monday. Yeah. And, you know, it is it is the service. It, it, it's almost just in time. Uh, food safety and food security are obviously paramount. Uh, we want our customers happy and and not uh, <laughs> not in, in jeopardy of getting sick. Um, so it's for somebody to get a shot with me, they, you know, they've got to stand out. They've got to separate themselves from the pack. They've got to do something different. You know, uh, it could be as much as I've I had one guy reach out to me with a joke and it made me laugh and smile. And I gave him 15 minutes to talk to me. So uh, another thing I do just for fun is I ask people to tell me something I don't know about my company and uh, get a varied, very varied responses. But uh, some of them are really good. Some people really get out there and do their homework. Uh, I've, I've had people tell me that their mothers worked at Hardee's in Alabama. You know, so it's just a, a bunch of different things that, that catch my attention. So uh, you have to you have to have that kind of that shiny thing that I go after for my uh, ADHD. 
<laughs> uh, I, I love to hear Tricky Mick actually has a good question and it segues us into something that you're doing anyway. He said, what does it take to expand into a new area of business that the restaurants have never been in? Let's say uh, an area that's recently grown large enough population wise, perhaps, I don't know, South Carolina, or maybe you're putting a new location somewhere. What do you guys have to think about? And what do you have to think about from the logistics side when a new restaurant is coming online? You're running a two-phased type setup operation. Obviously, you're not going to go into a new market and open up 15, 20 restaurants at once. It starts with one. Uh, so uh, the, the scale is, is very critical. Um, you know, you have to come up with kind of a, a, an interim plan for the one, you know, one restaurants, one to 10. And then you can start looking at a more permanent plan, a more uh, a smoother plan. Uh, beyond 10 to 15 and, and, and on up on there. And then you, you need a provider who's going to be able to scale with you if you take that market up to 30, 40, 50 restaurants. So it's, 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 it's a multi-phase operation. Um, typically, we, we'll, we'll do an interim plan where we're probably servicing them uh, from, a, from a distant D.C. And then as they scale up in stores, uh, we'll bring a more closer-based operation to them um, you know, right now we're we're looking at putting Carl's Jr. in Miami, and uh, it's a it's a big dot deal. I'm really excited. I think it's going to go like gangbusters. Uh, we've got a uh, the demographics down there. Those people know Carl's because you know they come from an international side of the uh, of the world, and they know Carl's Jr. because Carl's Jr. is international. So when they come to Miami, they want those flavors that they had in their in their home countries, and we're and we're bringing it to them. So it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be huge. Um, just got to get, you know, got to get the supply chain worked out and get it tamped down and, and ready to go. So I think we're in a good spot. Um, we're definitely scalable. Uh, we have, you know, we have all the, all the uh, scaling options put in place. So as we grow, we can grow with them and, and service, service our customers out of that area. And I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to, it's going to be like wildfire out there. I really do. Rex says, how many ketchup packets on average does the, does the location have? How, when you're managing the condiments, what do you have to consider? I, I don't necessarily get to that level. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually the box guy. I don't, uh, it's more cases than anything. Uh, so I really don't, I don't, I couldn't even tell you how many ketchup packets are in a case right now. Um, so it's, I imagine it's a lot. Um, it's, you know, the condiment side is, is, you know, not as fast moving as the burgers and the buns and the cheese and all that. But still, you, you got to have it. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Interesting. And there's one more here says, what is the hardest part of managing logistics within this industry versus other ones? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, just everything has a shelf life to it. Everything lives and dies. So you've got to be able to to make sure your product moves in and out pretty fast. Uh, some 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 items have longer shelf life than others, but obviously you don't want to get into it, too many obsolescence problems. So you just got to make if you're selling like hotcakes in one part of the country, but you're selling you're kind of running slow in another. We have to move that inventory around. We have to balance it and juggle it, and and just make sure we've got uh, fresh product for everybody at the same time. You know, when we're doing a promo or something like what we're doing for the Super Bowl, uh, you know, you want that product to uh, to to go out the door uh, with our customers instead of sitting in a warehouse somewhere uh, becoming obsolete. Interesting. Oh, Mr. Grinch says, would you please bring back the steak sandwich? Actually, I want to add to his question. How how much <laughs> is our menu items driven by like are, like I. How do they decide what goes on the menu, like a steak sandwich? Is that because there's a good price on steak or something like that? How, do, how does that develop? Or do you have any piece in that? Uh, I do not, but it, it's mainly driven by demographics and sales. Um, we do, uh, we do uh, lim what we call LTOs or limited time offers uh, throughout the year. This one right now is uh, during Lent, so uh, you'll see a lot of QSRs uh, putting a fish sandwich uh, on the menu. Uh, and that's usually a seasonal thing. So uh, we bring it back. Uh, we did uh, last year, we did uh, cinnamon raisin biscuits. Um, they're going to be coming back, you know, year over year. So it's it, it just really depends on the demographics and, and what we see from a sales standpoint. It's, it's what our, you know, if our customers want it bad enough, we'll put it on the menu. 
Interesting. Yeah, seasonal. I mean, seasonality hits every type of freight, but yours is a little bit different in the sense that something like Lent can completely change the buying habits as people move off of red meat. They get a lot more fish. What other like seasonal impacts drive uh, the menu or, or how you have to move things? Um, typically in the summer, we'll run like uh, more of a drink promo where we're doing some kind of a frozen drink or, or sh- you know, a shake or something like that because everybody wants to stay cool during the summer. Uh, Lent's obviously, you know, obviously a big one for us. Uh, and then towards the holidays, uh, on the Carl side, uh, we see a lot more traffic in, in the restaurants because people are taking their families to Carl's. So, uh, we, we did, um, we just did a, uh, candied bacon one, which is always, always good. You can't go wrong without, with bacon. There's no way. So, um, it just really, you know, it, it depends on the, on the, uh, geography. It depends on the time of the year. It depends on what our what our customers are, are are craving is summertime like peak fast food because of of all that travel people are moving around they're eating lunch more they're out on the road it is uh for most areas of the country surprisingly it's not for florida because the snowbirds come down for the winter mm-hmm. so our hardies and and ultimately soon carl's jr will be doing more business in uh in florida during the winter months whereas everybody else are kind of ticking down a little bit so use any do you use any tech to forecast this kind of thing uh, i'm sure marketing does yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but by the time it comes down to you you're, you're just i got to figure out which store it's got to get to which truck's got to be where and make sure you know it, it stays fresh and it's it's good exactly um, exactly 100 before we move on to Nashville Transportation Club, because I'd love to highlight what you do over there. I know that you're raising money for a scholarship. Before we move off, Carl's Jr., anything fascinating about either this promo or the logistics of, of fast food that would surprise the audience? Um, not off the top of my head. It, it, it sourcing is is can be challenging. We'll say that. Um, with the one thing with the Miami store, the Miami restaurant, our, our distribution centers are kind of brand specific. Uh, and there are some skew differences between Carl's Jr. and Hardee's because there's different menu items, not, not all different, but a, a few. And and trying to source from a from a faraway distance on a on a one store opening uh, to begin with is a challenge. So uh, we've uh, we've kind of went through that, and it's uh, it's it's a big it's a big puzzle. But you figure it out. You put the pieces in place and everything uh, eventually comes together and uh, hopefully our customers like it as much as we do. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I mean, who can say no to a, a free burger or a nice uh, cold, frosty Carl's Jr. beverage during uh, the summertime? But you're also, you're not just, you wear another hat. You're also part of the Nashville Transportation Club. You've got some exciting events coming up. You're, you have a goal to raise $15,000 or more for scholarships. Give us some insight on it. Yeah, uh, we kicked off our 2024 year last night, actually. Uh, we did a happy hour networking event. It was well attended. Had a great time. Had some people come up from Memphis, uh, some people I've known for a very long time. Uh, we got some exciting events coming uh, coming down the pipe. Uh, we actually have a women in transportation panel discussion. I believe it's in April. Uh, our own Jesse Merritt is uh, going to be spearheading that, so I'm excited to see that. And uh We've got uh, we've got a couple of golf tournaments to raise money, and we've got uh, some other happy hour networking, and we got a trivia trivia night, and then uh, we do something with Top Golf. So uh, we like raising money. Like I said, the budget is for fifteen thousand this year. If we beat that, that's great. Uh, we do hand, we do work with Middle Tennessee universities and provide that scholarship those scholarship dollars to uh, supply chain students. So we try to help them out because education is expensive. And we have a great time doing it. We have a lot of fun. And uh, actually, I'm I'm president this year, so hopefully I'll hand those reins over uh, probably in October, November this year to uh, somebody who can uh, take up the uh, take up the, the 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 scepter and and move us forward even more. So I'm excited about it. I'm pumped. Uh, Graham Gonzalez is our educational chair. He's he's working with uh, both Lipscomb and Belmont University right now. Uh, we're we're actually partnering with them. We're doing some panel discussions with these guys, uh, meeting them in their classrooms. You know, providing some mentoring for their students, letting them ask questions, uh, just bringing that information and that education out 
uh, into the real world, which is something I'm I'm a big proponent of because uh, we all know the classroom is not necessarily real life. Mm. And if you talk to somebody who has lived the dream, um, maybe they can give you some better answers than a textbook. Hey, John, I love to hear there's so much going on, and especially if you're in Tennessee. There's the Tennessee Young, Young Professionals in Transportation. you get got the Nashville Transportation Club, all sorts of events, all sorts of good causes that they're involved in. Definitely get involved with those. But before I let you go, I got a, I got a Super Bowl prop bet question here for you. Reba McIntyre is singing the national anthem, and the prop bet is length of the national anthem in seconds. Are you taking the over or under? It's 87.5 seconds. And we got Reba on the mic. I'd say uh, over. Going with you. I, I'm going with the over two, John. I'm on your side on this one. Who's winning the big game, though? Uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor, yeah. She, she, avocados, <laughs> Modelo, Taylor Swift, and Carl's Jr. on Monday when you get your free burger. John Brewer, thank you so much. Go find him on LinkedIn. Go to Carl's Jr. on Monday. Go get your free burger. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Have a great, happy Super Bowl weekend. If you're drinking, drive safe out there. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find the show at FW What the Truck. You can find all our back episodes on Freight Waves' YouTube channel. Just look up What the Truck. Hey, take care. Don't be a stranger.